Hello, hello, and welcome to a new episode of the Free For All on the Renegade Pop Culture Podcast Network. This is Kiona, your host. Um, with me tonight, I have five other people, so it's a full house here. So why don't we go ahead and introduce ourselves, say hi to the audience. What's going on, guys? This is Mike. And this is Jacob. It's Josh over here, along with Crystal. All right, and then our special guest, and now a official member of the crew here. This is Hayden. Hello. All right. So um, first off, what I wanted to do is talk about the events of the past week. Uh, We did not do a podcast over the week, which actually worked out because it allowed us to sort of also take part in the kind of the movement that started on Twitter with the the blackout Tuesday and that sort of thing, um, we uh, we wanted to show our solidarity with the movement that's happening with Black Lives Matter and with um, the protests that are going on. And we, you know, we stand with you. Uh, injustice should not be countenanced in this nation, especially now. And I think for myself personally, like it, it forced me to really look at myself and my views and my opinions and take stock of where I am in my life. So for me, it was eye opening and it was definitely, it's been a week for me. Like I feel kind of weary, but you know, that's coming from someone who, who maybe, uh, you know, from my perspective, it's 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 a very different perspective. Um, so I am not African American, and I, the only thing that I can say, is that I hope that I hope that change arrives because of what is uh, occurring in this nation. We need change. We need to be better as a people. I'm rambling right now, so I'm going to stop and pass it on. <laughs> But, you know, I think that I think it's important to really to to amplify black voices and to listen and to hear and acknowledge and really take in stock, you know, take stock of what's happening in the world today. Very true. It, it's just. Been, oh, my God, this whole week, it, it feels like just when you think you've got a handle on what this year is thrown it, it just it says something with how powerful the struggle is that even in the wake of the pandemic, you have all these people protesting, going out because this has just gone on for way too long. The systemic oppression, and I'm I'm really proud of the results that have been coming through ever since the move, like this whole movement has has started. But it it always just feels like very sad just in the sense of it shouldn't have come to all this in order for change to happen and that's right it's really taxing on me because i like to think of myself as a pacifist i Mm -hmm. not not like overly negative like i let people push me around or anything i don't think but i generally try to go for peace with almost everything and Everything that I've seen on social media, especially on Twitter, like it's eye-opening just seeing just how much hate there is in the world. But it just, 
it's so overwhelming and draining. I it, it's been breaking my my spirit a lot in the past week, and Crystal here can attest to that. Yeah, we've all just been drained emotionally, mentally. Yeah. Everybody has. Yeah, it's uh, you know, when you see the the system, when you see the systemic, you know, just racism and injustice and inequality, it's like it's it's so bad. I I thought it is. I thought you know, growing up in Hawaii and stuff, you you grow up there and it's like everybody is mixed and and everybody is just sort of like we're all pretty okay with each other. Uh, it's so to me. It's, I don't know if I've ever faced it head on. I don't know if I faced it within myself head on. And I think that um, now living on the mainland and, and seeing what's going on with, you know, with the world, it's just, it's, it's, it's eye-opening. It's scary. Um, my hope is that, you know, I, 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 I see the righteous anger and, I don't fully, you know, I'll never fully grasp it, but I do understand where that's coming from. And I think that it's important to show that because, you know, we need to see change and change is not going to be easy and it's not going to be overnight, but it is something that's going to happen. And, you know, for me personally, I'd like to dedicate the work that we do to the memory of all the, the people that have basically been killed. Um, for for no reason other than the color of their skin or for their religion or for you know whatever reason that is that 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 people you know justify it as so like to just i, I would like to uh, dedicate this episode in particular to the memory of george floyd and um and i hope that you know uh mike and hayden i'll toss it over to you guys but um i think that we need to remember this and we need to learn from it and we need to see justice done and we need to move forward and see change done. That's it. Or it okay, is the Mike. folly of men that they forget. Yes. Yes. Wow. Okay, Mike, did you have something? Um, yeah, as a, as a New Yorker, um, one, of, one of the stories that really got to me was, I don't know if any of you guys saw it or everyone probably did um, about the, like the police officers who uh, shoved in, shoved like a 75 year old in, in Buffalo. Oh, man. I did see that. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Me too. Yeah. That, that, that was one of the stories of among many that, that just really shook me to, to my core um, along with the follow-up that 57 officers resigned while stand while standing standing with with you know the two officers that should have been arrested for basically abusing their power yeah for assault yeah yeah um so that's kind of that's kind of the one of the reasons i've been very inspired this week and basically every day until until change happens that i'm trying to like use all my social media to you know amplify uh black artists whether it's musicians filmmakers um 
YouTube, YouTube uh, personalities, just just to make sure that that they all have their voices heard. Mm-hmm. Okay, That's Hayden. Um, what I just want to say is, it's been a very sobering week, and I don't want to be the type of person to just make it about like all of us. I think we need to recognize that. There are a lot of people suffering so much worse than we are right now. We have to think about like their personal mental health um, of the black mm-hmm. individuals who are dealing with this firsthand. Yes. And I guess just be conscious of that. It's yeah. and also it's and I just want to say um, um, George Floyd. Also, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery. Tony McDade, who is a trans man who was um, killed by police, that's another mm-hmm. issue that's mm-hmm. going on, very intersectional issue that's being discussed right now. It's been a very, I think it's just a good time mm-hmm. for us as allies to reflect on what mm-hmm. people we know in the black community are going through and just to be conscious of that and the last thing is um given that it's pride month that it's important to recognize that the first pride was really a riot that was that had many black and trans people at the forefront and it's important to i think keep that in mind as well yeah i agree i agree Mm. well um hayden to uh, add to what you said. Um, I think at this point we should acknowledge that um, just because we identify as an ally to the people who are trampled by this, um, that doesn't mean we should never be self-critical. That we shouldn't. We should listen to what they think constitutes being an ally at, at this time. That you know, as, as a white person um and who fancies himself an ally to the african-american community and the lgbt community uh a, a white straight man in particular um i just can't assume that because i call myself that that i am actually an ally that there's no um changes that i have to make to let people know that I am an ally. There, there, there are mistakes that I may make um, in my crusade to be a supporter, um, to be a friend. You know, there, there will always be, you know, changes that I gotta. There are ways to better to better myself, and I have significantly these past few years. I, I, I would say that I, I may have a lot of work to do, but at least. I can be aware that I am improving and that's so by that, that's how I can sleep at night. Basically. None of us are without our biases. Exactly. None of us. It's all about just bettering ourselves as people and learning from each other, helping each other grow. There was was something that me and Crystal were talking about today because, um, but with everything, I, I got inspired to watch um, to watch Spike Lee do the right thing, and it is just so. It's sad that it's still very topical with everything going on. Yeah. But um, me, me and Crystal 
she mentioned something in just uh in, in our conversation just uh how in, in the film radio rahimi talks about love and hate and I, I i kind of agree with crystal's feeling on it which is that love and hate aren't opposites but the true opposite of love and hate is indifference kind of apathy no no real uh, uh, uh change no real forward momentum no real anything it's complacency something that just really struck a chord with me earlier in the day and i don't know it's just something that i've been thinking about for a good deal of all of this just that we, we can't go into into this basically civil war we can't go into this thinking or just hating the people that we don't understand or that the hating the people that, that don't understand us we have to love them enough to understand that they come from a different background and that they're simply misguided people i also believe that there's no such thing as bad or evil people per se there's just selfish and misguided people everyone is capable of change it's just up to us to show them how to change sorry for the <sighs> yeah I... I'm suddenly getting really heavy yeah <laughs> yeah um it's uh well sorry guys um uh, i i certainly didn't mean to make it um you know about myself and my opinions as well uh, i just want to be clear about that um you know it's, it's good to do soul searching especially in a time like this it's good to know where you stand so but of course my my thoughts and my heart is with all of the people who are suffering and who are dealing with, you know, the, the issue directly. And, um, what we do here is, uh, is for actually for entertainment purposes. And, and actually, you know, it's just something where we, we want to cover movies and we want to talk about that and all that good stuff. But I just felt that we needed to address the things that happened over the week as well. So, all right. Well, so, uh, and I just watched Just Mercy. I, I just watched that movie right before coming on. And I needed a minute before I could even come on because it was just, that movie is so good and so great. And it's, it's you know, it's a very emotional movie. For me, it really it, it it touched me in my heart. So I I enjoyed it. I thought it was it was a it was a good story. In other words, it was you know well well done. So have any of you guys seen it? I have. Um, the the last time I saw it was um, when it was playing in theaters uh, um, back in January. And yeah, that it's it's a very good movie. It's a very heavy movie. Mm -hmm. And um, if if I may be if I may be honest, um, I feel like this was the movie that Warner Brothers should have been um, campaigning um, more heavily during during last year's Oscar season, as opposed to Joker. But obviously, one of those caught on more than the other. 
Yeah, um, to an extent, I agree. And this is coming from someone who liked Joker. Um, oh, yeah, no, is... I, I like it, too. Yeah, yeah, me too. It's just that I... It's it's very much, let's just say, a white male rage movie. Definitely. <laughs> it's, um... It, like, as I know that people are going to listen to this. Oh, you know, Renegade Paul, they're just so woke now, or or whatever, and just... like I just know it's it's legitimately... It's a more important movie at this time. Um... Any movie that legitimately looks at an issue that's still going on, um, that's probably more deserving of um, all these nominations. I think. Yeah, I would definitely agree with you on that. I think it's it's a it's just a solid film with a lot of really good performances. Uh, Michael B. Jordan, Jamie Fox, everybody's so good in this movie. Hayden, go ahead. Yeah, you said, uh, like you said, January, I think. And I just, it just hit me that that was, that was just, it does not feel like it was then. It just, time is such a blur now that I'm forgetting that when it actually came out, it's just so surreal. Like, And it just became so relevant after the, I mean, it was always relevant. It just feels so important right now, and I think it's it's just so surreal to think that it came out in December slash January. That feels like forever ago, right? It it it's it's like you could separate um, like AC BC uh, before before Corona after Corona. <laughs> yeah. So easy to forget that. Yeah. Yeah, it was one of the last movies I think to come out in theaters at that point. Like right before the pandemic hit. Right. So, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> Where did the time go? I feel what really what year bad. is this? I feel really bad that I haven't watched it. Like the the like I said today, I, I chose to watch Do the Right Thing because I felt I was able to handle seeing something like that, but th- this whole week it's just been me just doing comfort food kind of watches just to get my my morale up. <laughs> but I, I I'm definitely gonna watch it because I love everybody involved in the movie: Michael B. Jordan, Jamie Fox, just amazing talents and. I feel like I need to see almost every movie that's come out in 2020 just out of obligation because of how crazy the lockdown's become. <laughs> yeah. A movie that I watched um, a couple nights ago was Blind Spotting. Uh, this is a movie that came out in 2018 that I missed in theaters. Um, and I just saw, saw it recently and was just completely blown away. Um, everyone, everyone always talks about, um, the, for, for those, for those who haven't seen it, I may be giving some spoilers. Um, so the movie stars, uh, David Day, uh, David Diggs from Hamilton. Lafayette. And at the end, and at the end of the, at the end of the movie, he, um, he goes into this, he goes into this, like, five minute rap monologue 
and I, like every everyone um, who I've talked to, I've seen this movie. I said like that's like one like one of the greatest scenes of that year. And yeah, yeah, no, that de- that definitely is. Oh, I have to check that out. Blind spotting. Yep. Okay, it's on the watch list. <laughs> Anybody else watch anything interesting? Um, I watched Selma, which was very very good. I was I was literally just about to say that. Yeah, I I saw Selma um too um uh actually uh just recently it was like it, it was because we should mention the reason why we were watching just Mer- Mercy was because Warner okay. Brothers um is, is making that film available to watch on video on demand for free mm-hmm. and also and the same thing for Selma and a handful of other movies of recent um of relevant movies like um ali the muhammad ali movie with will smith and um the secret life of bees and uh, some uh, just a handful of um movies having to do with a topic like this and also in a time when the help is the number one movie on netflix i yeah josh you want to say something I was just gonna mention another movie, like some movies that we had watched. Um, but but yeah, seriously, if you're on Netflix and you're watching The Help, don't watch The Help. I think Malcolm X is on there. Go watch that. It's a that, that's that's an all time timeless movie that you need to watch. And it's not not only is it timely, it tackles race better than The Help ever does. But <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, right now we. um i just it's right now we don't really need more movies about like white people solving racism (laughs) we don't need that right now (laughs) yeah not the timeliest piece you know that movie that okay movies like movie i just want to say for this movies like the help and green book and the blind spot these are the kinds of movies the villains in get out would uh, say that they watch to show how much they love black people. It, it's like, it, it, I'll, I'll say this: I'm actually one of ten people that doesn't mind Green Book. I think it's cute, but w- when I think about that, that year it should have gone to Black Klansman. That was already a mm-hmm. terrible or, or blind spotting. It was a terrible year for Oscar selection. That was so rough to sit through when I was going through all those movies. And I, I, yeah, honestly, that year I, I was personally like my favorite. My, I really loved the favorite, and that's what I wanted to win. But really, it should have been anything except for both Green Book and Bohemian Rhapsody that year. Those. And I'm still upset that those those came out on top that year, when there was literally yeah. anything else. I'm I'm even upset that they didn't mm-hmm. nominate. They didn't add more nominations because that year was probably the it was the only year in the past couple that had only eight nominations. You you I would have argued Spider Verse should have been nominated for Best Picture. I can vouch for that. But of course, I forget. Um. Yeah, you, like you you know how every once in a while an animated movie will will sneak into the best picture list. Yeah, and usually it's a Disney film. That 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 year uh, that Into the Spider Verse came out. That that movie could have easily um, 
been like the like the number nine or number ten spot. I argue it should have uh, replaced Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, I could. I, I even though I like that movie, um, I do not think it belongs uh, in the Best Picture race. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think even even people who um, hate Bohemian Rhapsody will admit that uh, Rami Malek did deserve. Um, the oscar for that but what people will not people are still angry about especially is that uh bohemian rhapsody won best editing okay okay i actually have a rebuttal to that like i don't think it deserves it at all i'm just okay kiona it is your job to read to name this free for all finally get the rant about the 2019 oscars (laughs) i oh my god but that is an award selection that I will understand because as far as I can understand, the editing is voted on by editors and really they gave that movie just the biggest pass because between going from, uh, you know, he who must not be named because I'm not giving that sick bastard the name, the, the respect that he, that he, that he used to get as a director between going from him to Dexter Fletcher, who had to save everything and having just two contrasting styles just all together and already the whole shoot being a shit show. Like John Oddman was just scrambling to create something coherent. It was basically going to be on par with a suicide squad level wreck. And it, it was just, Hey, he did the best he could. I don't like that it won best editing. In fact, I hate that it won best editing for that. But I can respect that John Ottman basically did a fool's errand of just fixing everything the best he could. And not only that, but he he also had to deal with members of Queen saying that like each member of the band had to have like an equal amount of screen time and balance all that out. <laughs> Because, so, yeah, it was ultimately a sympathy. It was a sympathy win. So, and I really do like Ottman's other work. Like his his music score and editing in the past is great. It's just, uh, he just did. He just got a really tough break on this one. And that that explains he hearing that. That explains that terrible scene that everybody's made fun of, where uh, Peter Baelish <laughs> signs a uh, 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 Mr. Robot and all of them to a contract and you know everybody gets a cut and the, the best video i've seen is replaced is at the sound of at the start of each cut they played the whip crack sound effect from that terrible cartoon network show johnny Best. so it's almost three minutes non-stop of just drinking <laughs> And, I'll, I'll, and um, one last thing, just I, I, I've I've become more harsh on Rami Malek in that movie. I think he's a great actor, but when you compare what he does in Bohemian Rhapsody to Bradley Cooper in A Star Is Born, a movie that I'm kind of lukewarm on, Bradley Cooper had to learn how to play the guitar and sing, and just do pretty much everything to make his 
performances in the movie as real as possible, in addition to directing. And Rami Malik won for lip syncing. Yeah. I would give it... I'm actually surprised Taron Edgerton didn't win or get nominated for Best Actor this year because he deserved at least some sort of Oscar recognition. If Rami got nominated, then Taron 1000% should have been nominated as well. Exactly. I agree. Jacob. Okay, I'm just going to say, I think an even worse scene than the uh, restaurant scene in terms of editing is um, when Mike Myers rejects the Bohemian Rhapsody song that they make. <laughs> the, the editing is even... The editing... That, oh my god, that that's arguably even worse, in my also, opinion. It, also it, the line of, um, nobody's going to bop their heads to this in the car. Um, no, it's like, no one's... Like, Bohemian Rhapsody, it's just not a song teenagers can play in the car and bang their heads to. get it, you were in Wayne's World. Jeez. (laughs) Yeah, in in hindsight, everything about um, Mike Myers' cameo is, like, the definition of forced. Mm. Mm -hmm. Like, especially that line. And it even ends with um, what I'm leaving is like, Mark my words. If they don't play the cards right, no one will ever hear the name Queen. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like what you see in every single um biopic about a famous person. Where like, oh, this person's gonna go nowhere in life, and and then it shows them changing the world, basically. Um, have any of you seen Walk Hard: The Dewey Cox Story? <laughs> Oh my god, yes. I, I haven't, but I've seen the video. Because Bohemian oh. Rhapsody recreates Walk Hard, except does it <laughs> genuinely. And so the whole time I was watching Bohemian Rhapsody, I was laughing because I would just remember a scene from Walk Hard, and just, like, I would go into hysterics. Freddie Mercury's got to think about his whole life before he plays. <laughs> Every director should be required to watch uh, Walk Hard before doing a music biopic. Like every everyone needs to study that movie from start to finish and take notes on what not to do, what not to repeat from Walk Hard. The wrong kid died. Oh, 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 okay, so on that, I I did a thing on on Twitter, and I kind of want your guys's input on it. It was a while back. Shoot. I still haven't done in the second part of it, but it was basically I was bored and I wanted to see if I was Twitter famous, aka I could get more than one like. So I did a whole thing like, okay, if you give me two likes, if you give me a like, I'll pitch a movie. And I only got to do one. I got two, but I was too lazy to do the second one. But I've got a pitch of a music biopic. Okay, so. In my opinion, what's the best? In your guys' opinion, what's the best part of um, of a biopic like this? What is your favorite part watching in any of these movies, like like uh, Walk the Line or Ray or, or 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 Bohemian Rhapsody or even Rocket Man? That's a good question. I I probably have to say like um, the record. Either the recording montage or like the first, the first live performance. Like those, those, those two are are um, pretty 
usually those are my like my favorite scenes in any of those movies and also and also the last the last concert because you know that's where they pull out all the stops mm-hmm. okay uh yeah, i was gonna say like the last i was gonna say the the same thing the last kind of performance i guess you could say when it all comes together i kind of like that hayden what would you say um, I think it really depends for me on how the movie itself is executed. Because mm-hmm. I because I don't know if I really have like a favorite part in biopics, but I like what I like in biopics is when it does something that feels different. Like like essentially Rocketman did. Like it felt it felt a lot more like a jukebox musical then it did feel like I was being lectured about the history of Elton John. Yeah. I guess is, so I guess I, I think that's kind of the aspect that I like to see most in my biopics. I don't think I have a specific favorite part in the formula that I really like though. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jacob, what would you say? Um, I think just in general, my favorite part of biopic is when they reflect on an aspect of the subject's life that you wouldn't really expect to be sufficient to discuss on in a movie. Um, if if you guys know what I'm talking about, um, it's it's like when it focuses on, yeah, yeah, Mike, you think you understand? Um, I was I was gonna say like, um more generally speaking um my favorite biopics are the ones that like um sort sort of like rocket man when they when they feel like when they feel like the personality of the subject like yeah with rocket man it makes sense that it that it comes off more like a elaborate stage musical because elton john was an elaborate um stage personality Definitely. Yeah. Um, another good example is is Love and Mercy, which um, which really gets in the weeds of um, Brian Wilson's uh, you know mental breakdown um, towards towards the end of his career. Um, but it's also kind of split into two different timelines. Um, like it it covers you know the end of his career, but also it goes really into the recording of Pet Sounds. So that's I, I like when when bio, biopics like go the extra mile to um to like make the movie feel as authentic like personality wise as yeah. they can, as they can. Um, I, I, so we should bring up um everyone knows that Bohemian Rhapsody was originally produced and it was going to star Sasha Baron Cohen as uh Freddie and he was going to be. It was going to take it to a very explicit um, direction. That it was going to be a warts and all version of Freddie Mercury's um, sex life, as well as his um, stuff with drugs and such. And how well do you think you guys think that would have gone? I think it would have been amazing. Like just even just experimentally, it would have been something brand new. And from what I hear, wasn't David Fincher going to direct it too? I don't know about Fincher, but I know, I know that uh, Sasha Baron Cohen was 
you know, he he was involved with this project for a few a few years before, you know, before he backed out. Um, through you know creative differences and all that, but I would I would have loved to see that version of the movie. I think it would have won. It would have deserved best actor. <laughs> but I I ask all of this. Uh, go ahead, Hayden. Yeah, I don't and like uh, to that. Um, I, I don't think you can tell the story of Queen and Freddie Mercury if it, I can't, don't think you can make it PG 13 because he had a very R rated life. And I don't, I think they shied away too much in making it PG 13. Um, I think you can make a defense in Bohemian Rhapsody that it is a very artificial, very super, I think. If I had to come up with a defense for it, um, which is sometimes I often do with a movie that um, got kind of dragged to the mud by critics, probably rightfully so, but even then, um, well, people will come to, like, well, Freddie Mercury, he was very private um, about um, his, about his personal life, for instance, and I don't, and they probably think that, um, he wouldn't want all of that to be on film. I think he would only want people to know his music and stuff and what kind of a persona he was on stage. In that respect, I guess Bohemian Rhapsody gets a pass. Like the, the way I kind of accept Bohemian Rhapsody is that thinking from the perspective of Queen, it really is just about putting on a good show, making everybody have fun and just, blowing them away with a really strong ending and i'll say it as much as i really don't i I'm, i do like bohemian rhapsody but i've become a lot harder on it as the years pass by all two of them and um that lot you mean 30 oh, oh god it has been 30 <laughs> years since that movie came out god and, uh, that, that live sequence is still pretty in my opinion it's still pretty solid oh yeah like it was, it was electric watching it in the theater everybody in my audience with with me and crystal was stomping their feet some people were singing along and you know what to to its credit as mediocre as it is you know if it's able to elicit such reactions out of people i can't be too mad at it there was actually a girl behind us when we were watching it that was crying I don't know why, but mm. hey, good on her. Yeah. Well, yes. Yeah, so, um, I, I think, I think, um, Freddie Mercury. I think you can also um make the case that um, yeah, he was a showman. You know, he was a it was a real put on a show type of um, of um performer, and you know, I I think in that in the same regard, um, the movie does put on a show, um. It, it is very um, surface level. It's definitely very surface level. But, you know, some of its defenders may say that it actually works to the movie's advantage. Um, that it, it does, it, it plays its story very safe. And But I guess that's what people were kind of wanting to see. And also, even with, like, they, they made a lot of um, changes to that. It weren't historically accurate, like um, Freddie being diagnosed with AIDS before Live Aid, which she was diagnosed after that. Um, 
But you know, that's that's just for the cliche. They they want basically for that one speech he does in front of the other band members when they're rehearsing at the church and I, I guess that is a sort of artificiality that um the 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 surviving members of Queen were kind of um going for. Uh, the whole point of it was basically just to remind people what a great guy Freddie was. I have a question. Do you think we'll ever yeah. see another Queen slash Freddie Murky but biopic or do you think that bohemian rhapsody kind of put the nail in the coffin i think it probably did um just because they people uh, i think um disney which now owns fox which made the movie they know um or any other studio really um they know um how to make a successful queen movie they and anything beyond that any edgier take would probably not be nearly as successful so i would say it's just not in the cards yes josh all right well i ask all of that with the favorite parts of the biopics and it's kind of interesting getting down to the nitty-gritty of bohemian rhapsody because i feel like i'm gonna sound like a real like a trank hole or whatever and like i don't want to do any of that with my biopic i'm gonna be against the grain my music biopic is going to be a body horror thing. No, but I, I've i been watching a, like a, one of my comfort YouTube channels is Todd in the Shadows. I love his videos. And um, I love his series on train records, which is just the, the worst records from bands that just effectively killed their careers. And all of them are great. Like he talks about Be Here Now by Oasis. He talks about uh, the Funky Headhunter by MC Hammer. But there was one that I thought would make a really good movie because my favorite part of these music biopics is seeing the downfall of the artist. Just because that's the stuff I look for in biopics, seeing the flawed people, like seeing how human they are and how you know nobody's perfect all the time there's always going to be that kind of tension especially in a band and usually it's brushed off for a montage like 20 minutes before the end and then oh they got to get back together for the big concert or something and the he did an episode on Creedence Clearwater Revival and their album Mardi Gras and I just thought that would be a fantastic movie to do, just a kind of Rashomon kind of thing where there's an interviewer going to the surviving members of Credence, John Fogarty, Stu Cook, and Doug Clifford, just trying to see what happened for like a, I don't know, a reflection editorial or something. And then through it, you'd see, uh, you, you know, the recording of, their worst album, Mardi Gras, and just how much they hated each other and how much it was full of one-upsmanship because, believe it or not, the people that wrote Fortunate Son and Bad Moon Rising were just really, really, really angry with each other and just hated working with each other. And if you've heard those songs, it is rough to listen to when you compare just the singing voices of Stu Cook who just sounds like he's gargling just cottage cheese compared to John (laughs) when you hear have you ever seen the rain 
and it, just, it would be told so straightforward. It would almost be like a in document, like shot handheld documentary, just because Credence wasn't too flashy. They were very down to earth. So make it feel as down to earth. And the one time they would come together is when Fogarty would write a song and try and perform it about divorce because he was going through a divorce at the time for a song called Someday Never Comes, which is about a young boy trying to deal with his absentee father. And he's kind of wrestling with the fact that, you know, he's, he might do the same thing for his kids. That, that's, that's my ideal pitch. Just I've seen too much of the, oh, they started from the top and they started from the bottom and now here they are. For some bands, I just want to see where it goes wrong. Because there, there's so many there's so many bands that have so much conflict. Like If they ever do a Fleetwood Mac movie, I would be shocked if it is as sanitized as Bohemian Rhapsody. You know, they just they didn't like each other. So, you know, they wrote an album. No. Screw that. Um, you, you, talk, you talked about the worst um, CCR record. And while, while you're making your pitch for, for that kind of movie... I was thinking the very same thing about Oasis. <laughs> like that, like you, you could, you could make like an unofficial uh, trilogy of band bands that bands where the members hate each other. It could like, it can start off with a uh, Creedence Clearwater, then, then go to Fleetwood Mac and cap it off with Oasis. Oh man, that would be, that would be amazing. Who would you cast as Noel and Liam Gallagher. Ooh, good, good question. Um, it's 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 got to be someone, some someone who has a very punchable face. <laughs> I I see Daniel Radcliffe as one of them, but I don't know. Um, as Lee, as Liam or or uh, or no, um, who's usually the singer. Who sang, who sang Wonderwall? I think that was Noah. Then that one. I'm just imagining Daniel Radcliffe. It would be the kind of movie he would totally do. Just, eh, yeah, why not? I'm, I'm, I'm writing off the Harry Potter mo- money. I just want to do a lot of experimental stuff. Let me sing all around the world. I'm, I'm also thinking. <laughs> I'm also thinking about um, a, a biopic about um, about Morrissey's descent into madness and oh, oh, God. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you universal uh, uh disney if you bring back touchstone pictures there is an audience for this they will love you for it and you will get awards oh hell yes please <laughs> i i just want to say like i even thought of a cast for uh for my credence film both young and old. For the older versions, for John Fogarty, I wanted uh, Harrison Ford because he just looks so much like him. Uh, Stu Cook, I saw Bob Odenkirk. And Doug Clifford, I saw Ron Perlman just because I think if you mask him with a beard, he looks almost like him. And for the younger version, for young... uh, uh, John Fogarty, I saw Ansel Elgort, and for Stu Cook, I saw Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Just make him bald. He'll be fine. I've seen 50-50. He can do it. And a nice keto cast. And a nice... 
<laughs> a nice unmarked oh, white van kind of stash. And then for Doug Clifford, Shia LaBeouf. Okay. If, if you if you happen to see pictures of Doug Clifford in the in Credence's prime, and then look at Shia LaBeouf when he's got the beard and everything, it is perfect. So I I, I think we have I think we have a movie right now. Um, go yeah. go go ahead and uh and pitch that or, and shop that around. Please call me, uh-huh. please. And while you're at it, I'll fix so many things with Armada. Don't get me started on that. <laughs> Ooh, the segue. Okay, Kim's getting started on it. <laughs> um, I haven't read it, so you, you're gonna have to break it down. Okay, so oh uh, I'm, I'm sorry for I'm sorry for dragging Crystal through this. She's That's okay. We have it. we have ten minutes. We have ten minutes. You can devote to it. She she's got something she's wanted to talk about too. So I'm I'm gonna try and be brief with this. But I've been doing a video on Ready Player One, the movie. And how I actually really like it and the message that Spielberg tried to shape the movie around, I think, with Zach Penn and Ernest Klein about how nostalgia is great, but when you let it consume you, it can really blind you from, you know, the, the beauty and reality. And to further support my thesis statement, I decided to read the book. And I didn't know what I was expecting. I remember a long time ago, I was in a production company and, you know, the, the main guy there loved the movie and then he read the book and said he loved the book even more. So I kept that in mind. I'm like, all right, what does he see in this book? And I read all 372 pages and it is one of the most baffling reading experiences I've ever had. This is easily the second worst book I've ever read. It overtook, it, it skyrocketed over, in my opinion, The Great Gatsby, which was just a slog to get through in high school. At least there, you know, uh, 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 F. Scott Fitzgerald, he's actually a really good writer, and he doesn't advance beyond a third grader's reading level. I had to suffer through this just to see if I could pull some quotes, and it is shocking how little regard i think this book had for my sensibilities as a reader there is an entire two page and a half monologue of wade just going off about how there is no god and it sounds like a youtube commenter and there is a page dedicated to wade talking about because see he's hit his low point so if you read the monomyth you know this is, this, this, is the, this is the turning point you know ernest klein knows the monomyth he's seen star wars he mentions it 12 freaking times every chapter but he, he you know he talks about how he's got this rig set up and he's got all this awesome stuff and also he's very lonely so of course he orders a sex robot and he talks about how you know he has to pleasure himself. And he quotes James Halliday's almanac, like his journals, which apparently he just decided to publish that for the world to see in the universe. Imagine if you read about Bill Gates's masturbation stuff on the Xbox Live Market. Oh, God. Yeah, it is jarring there as it is here. And it is it is frustrating to read because 
oh my god i really sympathize with with steven spielberg for trying to get it nearly on a watchable level because the challenges in this book are ridiculous have okay i i feel like i'm going mad here but what did you guys think of the movie i really like the movie um granted i've only i've only seen it once um but from from what i remember i i had as as good a time as any um late era spielberg movie okay something positive i'm with you there mike jacob um okay first of all i just want everyone to know here that i actually proofread um josh's script for his video okay so um uh you're welcome ever you're welcome um thank you for that um uh, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding josh i'm kidding <laughs> i'm kidding um Okay, but um, I, I like Ready Player One. It's been I literally have not seen it since it premiered, and it, it was a fun time. I gotta say, um, it was definitely Spielberg playing with his toys, which is always fun to watch, even if it's not particularly good. And the worst of Spielberg is still better than other directors at their absolute best. So it was a good time, and I'll. If I ever get the chance to revisit again, I'd be more than happy to. I will reshape people's thoughts on the movie, just like high top films reshape people, like brought back um, like Spider-Man, like the Raimi films into the public eye. That's my goal. Kiona, as far as I understand, is a little more negative to both of them, actually. Yeah, I, I only read a little bit of the book because I couldn't stand it. And I just put it down and I was like, nope, this guy's just a fan wanker. That's all he is. He's just trying to show how much he knows about pop culture. That's it. Uh, it was a waste for me. The book was a waste. He is not the movie, exaggerating on that, too. The, the, yeah, the, the movie itself was... I could see how people could find it entertaining. I was not thoroughly amused. But I was like, okay, it's it's, you know... It's late era Spielberg, so it's still fine. But I was like, why did I have to sit through this in a theater? I could have just sat through this on Blu-ray. Um, to me, it, it, you know, it, it, it felt empty to me. I didn't feel emotionally invested, personally speaking. So I don't know. For me, it was okay. I'll just say that. I'll just say it was all right. And yeah. Hayden, go ahead. Yeah, I actually saw it in IMAX 3D, and it was really, really cool seeing it in that format. So I don't know how much that mm. shaped my opinion of the movie, but it, like, I think it, it is really like it's something like that you have to experience like in the biggest way possible for some people to enjoy it, and that's how it ended up working out for me. So I actually do like that's it a lot point. more than the book for, I mean, for a lot of reasons, but I think it really benefited from seeing it in that in IMAX 3D. It, it really yeah. is just a huge melting pot. And I always thought, at least personally speaking, Ready Player One as a book made no sense at all. This was something that needed to be visual. When you have all these different pop culture things coming together, when you're reading it, it sounds absolutely just monotonous. Like, 
listening to him talk about, oh yeah, I have a DeLorean that I custom fitted with the kit Knight Rider module, and it doesn't have a functioning flux capacitor, but it's got it's it's got Ghostbuster logos on both the wing doors, and it has an AI system that is based on an AI program called Max Headroom. Like it, 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 oh, it already God. just sounds overwhelming to the core, and I haven't even gotten into like him going on a whole chapter just explaining. Yeah, I watched everything. I watched Saturday morning cartoons. I watched Transformers, GI Joe, uh, 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 Thunderbirds. I knew it all because knowing is half the battle. Which he did write that in the book. You know, oh, I watched Lord. all the Simpsons. <laughs> I knew everything of Monty Python by heart, even the lost episodes that didn't air in the US and only in Germany. And I watched all the Indiana Jones movies. Halliday said that, you know, everything after part three, he didn't really count. And I tended to agree. It's like, oh my God, just. Ugh. Um, okay, so I haven't read the book, but. I've I've seen passages, and it sounds like er, like Ernie uh, Klein does not know the definition, even by like book standards, of show don't tell. Like I know I know that's hard to do um, on the page, um, but like some of the some of the best books like they. Like they let you, um, like they they let you sort of imagine the world that the author is describing. Klein kind of doesn't let you do that. It's not like it seems like he's he's strangling you with <laughs> all of his pop culture knowledge. It's a bad habit mm. in both books, in Armada and in Ready Player One, where instead of describing what Wade is feeling. He says, you know, it was like, you, you know, uh, 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 that scene in this movie where the character goes to do the event. Like, there, there's literally a line in Armada, which is not related to pop culture, but he still manages to infuse that in there. But, you know, he walks into a big uh, hangar bay full of ships. I want you to guess what he says. Take a wild guess. Okay. Guessing what? time over. He's like, I felt like <laughs> Luke Skywalker walking into the Rebel base on Yavin 4. I felt like this dude from this thing. I felt like da-da-da-da from, ne from Neon Genesis Evangelion. And it's like, oh my god. Oh my god. And, oh my god. Armada is just... It's something I would actually love to adapt as a film because... I actually hate it more than Ready Player One. It is my it is the worst book I've ever read because you should you should just do like a straight adaptation and just have the character come out there and just like actually say that on screen. <laughs> just you, have you him should, walk you should do a star, a star Troopers uh, style yeah. adaptation. Yeah, and just completely make yeah. fun of Armada. Yeah, well, here, here's the thing. Oh my god, let, let me tell you guys what Armada is about, and I want you to tell me if it sounds familiar. So okay, okay, first, okay first of all, Josh, first, Josh, 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 Josh. Um, before you go on, I'm going to cover my ears first <laughs> because I, I cannot listen to that garbage. Oh my god! <laughs> I mean, I've heard the book. It has gotten worse. <laughs> I've, I've, 
I've heard the books. I, I've heard Ernie Klein's a shitty writer, but goddamn. Like, wait, do they have this as like as like a um an audiobook? They do. Both were were read by Will Wheaton. Guy, if what? you know Will Wheaton, <laughs> chances are he's already blocked you. <laughs> Will Wheaton. I I say that with confidence because I made a joke at one point, just saying "shut up, Wesley." And then he blocked you. Oh, oh yeah, he gets really annoyed about that. <laughs> Apparently that, that's a common occurrence. Can you blame them? <laughs> oh my god. Okay, um, Josh, pr- proceed to describe the plot of Armada while I don't even try to listen. Okay, here it is. Tell me if this sounds familiar to, to the rest of you guys. It's about a boy named Zach Lightman who plays this space shooter game called Armada. And one day he gets the highest score, only to realize that it is actually a training simulation. So that way they can fight against a real alien invasion. Mike, halfway through that, I you raise your hand. <laughs> <laughs> um... What is the last Starfighter? Correct. Also, every other freaking space invasion thing. But it is the last Starfighter wholesale. And the frustrating thing is he knows. They acknowledge the last Starfighter in the book. Okay. So his father. This is what I mean why Armada is so frustrating. Because there is a germ of an idea here. Like, Zach is a man, like Wade, in Ready Player One, he's obsessed with nostalgia. But unlike in Ready Player One, where it's shaped basically all of society, which I can understand begrudgingly, this one feels realistic because he holds on to the memories of his dead father. See, his father died before he was born, and his mom let him see like all the stuff that he left behind. And of course it's all the old movies and games and comics and D and D stuff. And he latches onto that because it's the only thing he has to remember him. Like, and it doesn't help that he's apparently reminded, like he looks exactly like his father and it can't be easy on his mom who weird, gross thing. I think just kind of thinking about Ernest Klein's immaturity, but Apparently, they he they, his parents were still in high school. Like I think his mom was a junior or senior. I don't know. They're kind of elusive about her age, but they say that yeah, he was basically a you know just about to finish high school, and then he died at nineteen. So, you know, he's attached to the nostalgia because of the fact that. You know, it's the one thing he has with his dad. But there's something to tell there where it's almost restricting for him. You could make him actually look at the stuff and not even enjoy it, but just kind of look at everything like, all right, this is all I have of him. Of course, I'm mostly going to be hung up on this. And there's a point in the book where he says, you know, it's time for me to move on from this. I can't keep living in the past. And that's at the end of chapter two when he realizes he's late for work. There's still more book after that. And if my example, 
of him saying, I felt just like Luke Skywalker in blah, 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 doesn't give you a spoiler warning. No, he does not heed that those words of progress. And I'm actually going to, just to close this section out, because I know Crystal is recoiling, and I know she wants to talk. I, I know I want her to talk about what she's seen, but I'm going to read you guys one paragraph that almost made me break my phone. <laughs> this is from this is from Armada, the start of chapter four. Are, are you guys ready for this? I should have popped popcorn. Fiona, are you ready? Because I you, supremely when I sent you the masturbation monologue and ready, <laughs> the worst it's going to get, <laughs> and then it got worse. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Continue. This is technically two paragraphs, but you just need to hear just the whole of this. Pamela Light, me Crandall. I it's like a parenthesis. I don't. I I can't pronounce it for the life of me. Was the coolest woman I'd ever met, as well as the tough. She reminded me a lot of Sarah Connor or Ellen Ripley. Sure, she might have a few issues, but she was also the kind of single mom who would strap on a heavy artillery and mow down killer cyborgs if that was what it took to protect her offspring. My mother was also ridiculously beautiful. I know people are supposed to say things like that about their mothers, but in my case, it happened to be a fact. Few young men know the Oedipal torment of growing up with an insanely hot, perpetually single mom. Watching men constantly flip out over her looks before they'd even bothered to get to know her had made me faintly disgusted by my own gender, as if I didn't already have enough psychological baggage strapped to my luggage <laughs> uh, Ernie, is there something what you the want to tell that? us? Oh, okay. I really okay. should have had alcohol before this. <laughs> <laughs> I was not prepared. <laughs> I wasn't prepared either. And the funny thing is, I love reading this trash. It is so god awful, but I am finding it lifts my spirits on some dark level that I know I can write better than Ernest Klein. And I feel bad because I feel like Ernest is probably a really cool guy. And I can't hate the fact that he basically to make his geek fantasy reality. And he seems to be living his happiest life. And on top of that, even he seems to not like Armada at all. That doesn't Uh. mean I'm going to give him a pass because fuck that. I'm I'm just wondering how much of this is in character and how much of this is actually like bleeding over from his real life. Um, Shit! I left over a page from my diary in the copy of I sent the editors. <laughs> As I was reading, I saw Crystal. The second I wrote, I read. Um, a few young men know the Oedipal torment. I saw Crystal just roll her eyes. <laughs> so far to the back of her head. I just want to point out, um, Ernie, you shouldn't feel too bad because you hate Armada, because uh, Woody Allen wasn't satisfied with Annie Hall, either. Oh, shit! I just had to throw that in there. On the subject of, in, of weird, incestual kind of undertones, Crystal... Watch, More like really well, introduced me. She okay. introduced me Wonderful to an amazing segue, movie. Josh. Wonderful segue. 
<laughs> there's nowhere to go but up after this, trust me. And we're going as far up as we can. Crystal, what did you show me? So, um, for my English 4 class, before I graduated, yay me, uh, uh, we watched Excalibur in class. Nice. And I found out that Josh had never watched it, so he, uh, I showed it to him, and he showed me Sword in the Stone, because I had never watched that one either. And uh, what I mean by great segue there, Josh, on incestual undertones, this, sh- this movie just has straight-up incest. It was Game of Thrones before its time, and I love, I actually love uh, uh, the, the, the story of King Arthur. Like I, I have a copy of T.H. White's The Sword and the Stone and or the, the Once and Future King that my grandpa gave me. And I I read that thing, at least the, the first story, just nonstop. And Excalibur but, was amazing. But, but let me ask you a question. Is T.H. White better than Ernest Klein? Oh fuck. Um <laughs> I'm being facetious. <laughs> it's like asking, you know, who's better? Um uh, uh, e. L. James or uh, Kurt Vonnegut. It, it just it, it's hard to choose. But Excalibur was beautiful. It was like I didn't expect it to look so good. It, it, it remind it makes me think of an epic, much in the same vein as like Spartacus or Star Wars or the Ten Commandments. But unlike the Ten Commandments, I actually would want to watch uh, Excalibur multiple times i don't care if that's i don't know if that's controversial but yeah and uh i've also discovered that patrick stewart is just like queen of england in that they've been alive they're immortal (laughs) both of them (laughs) yeah that that movie came out in what what year 1981 81 81 it's as old as i am hey and Patrick Stewart is like graying in that movie. <laughs> graying. Like he, he's got a gray head, and I don't understand how old was he in that movie, and how old is he now? Probably Sixty. Oh no. I don't get it. I just want to point out. I just realized um, Ernie Klein is as bad as novel writing. As J.K. Rowling is bad at screenwriting and being a good person. Oh, Ooh. oh shit! Yeah. If, if oh, we want to get I, into me, if we want to want this to last for ten hours, we can start talking about Fantastic Beasts: The Crimes of Grindelwald and about a movie that. Well, that wasn't a movie, but I don't know what that was. But we we're not going to get into that because that would. We'd be here all night. Please no. Please no. Please no. That's an episode no. in and of itself. That was... I, yes. I remember, remember just going to the movie theater with Crystal and my and my step-grandma. Because she really liked... And she wanted to take us to the movies. And we had a choice between seeing Creed 2 or Fantastic Beasts the Grimes of Grimes Grindelwald. And, you know, we didn't know if she would... I forget what we... How we decided? It was because she didn't want to see it. She didn't want to see Creed two, I guess. So we decided to watch Fantastic Beasts because she liked the Harry Potter movies, but she hadn't seen the first one. So it, it like was, first like uh, Fantastic, Fantastic Beast. Beast. So we didn't think it would be too bad, and 
lo and behold, I was right. You did not need to see the first movie at all in order to jump into this because this movie takes the first Fantastic Beasts movie into as much account as Ernest Klein takes into account how boys usually talk about their moms. As in, they, he just they just threw it out the window. I felt no matter so what, bad. no matter if you've seen the first one or not, you're going to be confused by that movie. So, oh yeah. Not not only is the movie confusing, but it almost kind of punishes you for being a Harry Potter fan or not being a Harry Potter fan. Mm. Like it, it's a it's a lose lose situation. <laughs> God. <laughs> Okay, but like, like Josh said, that's for another um video, a different time. Okay, because we're just, uh, oh, Crystal, sorry, Crystal said that. Um, let's not get into that right now, okay? Please, just to preserve my sanity. Please, I've already had to suffer through enough Ernest Klein bullshit for a lifetime. And if you guys ever want to see just a lynching of both books, Connor Lestoka and uh. Mike J. Nelson have a podcast also. Of course, listen to the Renegade Pop Culture Podcast because, you know, we're better. I think <laughs> we're better than the Rift Tracks people. Um, they have a podcast that's like a book reading podcast called 372 <laughs> Pages Will Never Get Back. And their first two books that they did were Ready Player One and uh, Armada in that order. And it's it's carried me through this. It's encouraged me to read more. And just hearing them bash the books is just so vindicating. And from what I hear, they get into even worse books later on. Like that weird experimental book that Sean Penn did. <laughs> yeah, you, you guys remember that? No. Vague. No. no. <laughs> what was it called? It was like a, a honey do the do or something. Oh, Bob Honey, who just does <laughs> And uh, he also touches upon... <laughs> I think the recent book they're reading is a Dan Brown book, which you can get... Oh. Is it called... I challenge out of that. It, it, is it called Bob Honey, who just do stuff? Yes, that's yep. what it's called. Does stuff? And, and they, they, they also read the sequel to Willow that was written by George Lucas and Chris Claremont. And they mm. called that the worst book that they had ever read in the entire show, which I find shocking. Really? Especially when you have Chris Claremont writing it. I know. Like, how how can that possibly be bad? This is a this is a this is a small sentence from Bob Honey, who just does stuff. He describes a young woman named Annie as effervescence lived in her every cellular expression and she had spizzardictium to spare. Excuse me? <laughs> I feel what? like I'm going nuts and the ending is the epilogue is a poem that touches on current events, the Las Vegas mass shooting, North Korea, and Puerto Rico in the aftermath of Hurricane Maria, and the hashtag MeToo movement. And he writes a threatening letter to the U.S. president, quote-unquote, Mr. Landlord, in which he advocates for the president's assassination. And he declares, 
you are not simply a president in need of an of impeachment. You are a man in need of inter an intervention. Uh, we are not simply a people in need of an intervention. Uh, we are a nation in need of an assassin. Tweet me, bitch, I dare you. The lengthy epilogue poem. That's how you know whoever wrote the Wikipedia entry for Bob Honey, who just does stuff, was low-key hating on the book, too. The lengthy epilogue poem ends with Honey killing the investigative journalist with his mallet and running away to parts unknown. I, I personally think you should adapt that. <laughs> Move over, Armada. <laughs> Which which book should uh, Josh adapt, Armada or Bob Honey, who just does stuff? It's I believe it's Bob, Bob Honey who just do stuff. Who just do, who stuff. Just do yes, stuff? Yes, yes. Are are you? And apparently, there's going to be there's a sequel. Apparently, it's called Bob, Bob Honey, Honey sings Jimmy. <laughs> it's called Bob Honey sings Jimmy Crack Corn. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this is the sequel uh, was released in last September. Oh my god. I am so sorry for hijacking all of this and Hayden. I'm so sorry that this is your introduction to the free-for-all. Okay, yesterday I watched a, I, I watched a, a horror movie that was like basically halfway to being a porn movie, so... <laughs> <laughs> so... It, it, for reference, it's called Nightmare Sisters, and it's by um, the auteur director of A Talking Cat. <laughs> if you know a cat movie. <laughs> and and it, it is one of... <laughs> it was an experience. It might be one of the... Simultaneously, one of the best and worst things I've ever seen, so I've already lost my sanity long ago. That movie was up for the Palm Door. <laughs> Jesus, picture of the year. I lost my sanity when I was born. <laughs> what planet are we on? What year is this? <laughs> Who am I? Why is this happening? This is like this is like the existential despair episode. <laughs> oh god. We just go nuts with all this. <laughs> For context, sorry, for context, the movie I watched that I was talking about has like a, a scene where three girls are bathing each other in a bathtub and it goes on for like at least like seven minutes and it's like it just does not, it just keeps going. Oh my. So it's, it's one of those. Oh, and I also the director is gay, so I don't even know. <laughs> the director is a gay man, and he's just and it's just like all like boobs, and also the boobs squeak for some reason. They just have like, <laughs> what? <laughs> what? I'm not kidding. And that is the second movie I have watched this past like month that has squeaking boobs in it. The other one is the Massacre. The other one is Sorority House Massacre Three: Hard to Die, which is. A masterpiece in every way, and also J.K. Rowling's Soul Horcrux is from it. True story. See, okay, so, uh, as far <laughs> as I know, I am the only person in this in this group who has boobs, and I can confirm right now that they do not squeak <laughs> in any form. <laughs> well, let's hope not. 
And there's, just... hey, there's not one, but there's two films or whatever that have squeaking boobs. Yeah, because they're like showering and, and they've got these really obnoxious weird squeaking noises. <laughs> what does he think? Is they're actually made out of plastic? Probably. <laughs> I mean, they were. They were that, all, like, I'm just imagining or... like Oh no, that's exactly how it is. <laughs> that is exactly it. Oh. This podcast started off so serious. <laughs> I hope people oh, listen God. to this episode because this is the best episode we've ever done. <laughs> I really oh, this is our descent into madness. <laughs> this, this is like... Yes, that's what I'm calling it, actually. Oh, yeah, and for reference, I have seen the motion picture Cats nine times, so... <laughs> so that, that's, that's how you get a perspective of where my sanity is. <laughs> oh, release the butthole cut. <laughs> Come on, Snyder fans, let's get the butthole cut going. Right, that's what the world needs. It'll heal it. It'll heal the world. I feel bad because I I imagine like the family, like just next next by nearby in the house is probably just going, What the hell are they doing right now? What are they talking about? Something about cats and squeaky boobs. (laughs) I think I think somebody was talking about banging their mom. I honestly think that we should just do one of these episodes where it's just Josh reading from Armada. Oh my god. Did we? No, that would be a lawsuit. Yeah, with uh, with the Lonely Man theme from the Incredible Hulk playing in the background. (laughs) My god. Oh my god, yes. I do have something to end the podcast on when we we ever reach the finale because I want to end this thing reading the dulcet uh, 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 lyricsmanship of, of Sean Penn. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, my God. You know, here I am just saying, oh, Sword in the Stone was pretty cute. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, I watched the movie with squeaky boobs. <laughs> <laughs> Crystal. I gotta say, Crystal, your your future, Crystal, is so much brighter than that of the rest of us. <laughs> Especially me. There, there's, there's no hope for us. Yeah, we're we're destitute. We started this so seriously, and then we the just like veered off. Is the... yes, it's it's completely gone now. <laughs> we have lost control Our... of the narrative. Yes. We really our, did. It's over. Our lost, <laughs> all our That's all our um credibility just down the shitter. <laughs> Maybe we should just <laughs> I honestly think we should do this every single episode though, to be honest, because I feel like this would this would bring in some some listenership. <laughs> Every yeah, episode but, needs yeah. a talk about squeaky boobs. <laughs> That's the name of my new band. <laughs> <laughs>
Okay. We, we should, um, I'm sorry. I'm just about to Okay, next time that. we do this, guys. <laughs> guys, um, next time, um, before we do this, we need to all get totally shit faced. Oh my god, no. <laughs> no, you're yes. gonna be able to I'd love to participate, no. but I'm just gonna have to stick <laughs> stick to grape juice. She'll be the the de- the designated driver steering the <laughs> podcast for the rest of us. <laughs> Kiona, I'll take over as host. Yeah, you can. I, I bequeath it. Kiona's yeah, it's, it's like one of those um it's it's like it's gonna be like one of those cheesy girl power movies from the eighties. <laughs> oh my god we're losing our minds already and we haven't even done the dceu podcast oh no <laughs> oh, that... <laughs> things fall things on earth and what falls is falling, falling. <laughs> no it's it, the monologue it starts off with there are perfect things Diamond absolutes. <laughs> when have you like, ever heard of the term diamond absolutes? Is that like a sixth grader writing like emo poetry in like their notebook in between classes? Hey, after after reading Ernie Klein, that's like you, you know that, that that's just that that's poetry right there. Okay, this is a challenge to him. Actually, I want him to put the words "diamond absolutes" in his next book. Ready Player Two. Okay, it's all on you, Ernie. Ready Player Two. Diamond absolutes. <laughs> Ready Player yeah, Three. Squeaky boobs. <laughs> <laughs> Ready Player. We're giving four. this out for free. Ready Player Four. Way do stuff. Oh my god. <laughs> Honeyway, do stuff. <laughs> Ready Player Five. I have my character say weird shit about his mom. <laughs> that Sigmund Freud would have a field day over. Ready Player Six. Six six. <laughs> Ready Player Seven. The butthole cut. <laughs> Ready player eight. Sword in the Stone is cute. There you go. The sad thing is, Ready I feel player like that nine, just first, it was good. <laughs> <laughs> Ready player ten, just like Luke Skywalker when he. <laughs> the sad thing is, are you pretty sure the Sword in the Stone one would actually be a line in an Ernest Klein book? It would. I'm so sorry, Chris. Oh. And that little pet owl is pretty funny. That little Merlin's owl. He's she's cute. Are you are you are you okay, Crystal? Because I'm dying. This is the this is the culmination of everything we've all worked on. I, I don't I, I don't think it's gonna get any better than this. So after this, we're just shutting down. Yeah, this is the end of the running game. Yeah. Alright, guys. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We're not. We're not yeah. going to do that. Okay. Oh, I need to stuck man. with us whether they want to or not. That's right. I don't care. I'll just keep buying the website. I'll just keep buying the time, <laughs> man. Uh, we'll get some comedians on. We'll like, you know, we'll we'll have some comedian guests on and just like go to town. I'll say this, if we ever do get the clout to get a comedian on board, 
we got to get John Mulaney. Yes. yes. John yes. Mulaney would totally fit in. Oh, yeah. John Mulaney. It can get weirder. Oh, God. Yes, I was just thinking of that. I was going to say the exact and... same person. <laughs> no way. No, you weren't. I was. E- either Mulaney or Billy Eichner. Yeah. Mm. Uh, or Andrew oh. Dice play. Oh man, this is. Or, or you know what? We should we should try to um uh bring back George Carlin from the dead. <laughs> That's the plot of Ready Player Eleven. <laughs> Ready Player Eleven. Carlin rises. <laughs> And it's just the the first the yeah. prologue is Wade and Artemis activating an AI to bring to basically be George Carlin, and the rest of the book, all three hundred and seventy four pages of it, will be George Carlin just calling Wade a fucking idiot. <laughs> you listen here, you 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 fucking Nintendo geek. You, you talking about Rubenesque women? I haven't even got. I didn't even get into that. Oh God. Oh no! <laughs> what does that even mean? It's like some hey. painter. It's it's the cringiest shit I've ever heard. If a dude, comes... um... <laughs> I wouldn't know whether to slap him or slap him. <laughs> <laughs> Like we all have that one artist that we just were fascinated by that we can just carry a whole rant on. Like I, I know for some people it's Michael Bay, for others it's Stephanie Meyer. For a lot of people now it's JK Rowling. And it's not just because of Fantastic Beasts, but you, you know, it's nice that we could all come together and just laugh at the sheer stupidity that is Ernest Klein. It really this was I mean, with all seriousness, this podcast is the highlight of my week. Yeah, yeah, I gotta say, same here. Yeah. Same. Me too. This, yeah. this, this was a great, um, just a great way to blow to blow off steam um, very, with very everything true. going on with everything going on in the world. We we needed these two hours to just let everything go and just have a laugh. Have Have you guys seen the definition of Rubenesque? Because I got it right here. What is the definition? It says, it says of relating to or subjective of the painter Rubens or his works especially, plump or rounded usually in a pleasing or attractive way. Oh my oh, gosh. Okay. Oh my gosh. Boy better not be <laughs> no, I'm trying describing to... women as plump. Okay, I'm, I'm trying to find it right. where, he, where he talks about her. I don't know if you can actually hear the... The, the the page is turning. Who who is he talking about? He's talking about Artemis, because in the book, see, in the book, Wade is actually fat, which I don't mind. But then earlier he talks about how his how his uh, malnourished um, skeleton like witch of a of a ant that's not verbatim, but I'm almost positive. I'm eighty percent close to what he actually wrote. Um, I would have imagined that he would have said instead of skeleton like he probably would have said skeletor like. I, I he probably did. I don't have you know the what? strength in me. 
But, uh, you know what? Just give him props for not going that low. Yeah, he, he, he has some standards that he broke in Armada. But, okay, here it is. Here, here it is. Um, it probably goes without saying that I had a massive cyber crush on Artemis. Uh, da, 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 da. She occasionally posted screenshots of her raven-haired avatar, and I sometimes, always, saved them to a folder on my hard drive. Her avatar had a pretty face, but it wasn't unnaturally perfect. In the Oasis, you got used to seeing freakishly beautiful faces on everyone, but Artemis's features didn't look as though they'd been selected from a beauty drop-down menu on some avatar creation template. Her face had the distinctive look of a real person's, as if her true features had been scanned in and mapped onto her avatar. Big hazel eyes, rounded cheekbones, a pointy chin, and a perpetual smirk. I found her unbearably attractive. Artemis's body was also somewhat unusual. In the Oasis, you usually saw one of two body shapes on female avatars. The absurdly thin yet wildly popular supermodel frame, or the top-heavy, wasp-waisted porn starlet physique, which looked even less natural in the Oasis than it did in the real world. But Artemis's frame was short and Rubenesque. All curves. Milady. <laughs> <laughs> Saved it to his hard drive, did he? I love that that's Guys, what you, you, you latched on to, Keona, just saving the pictures to a hard drive. Yeah, saved it to his hard drive. Sure. Sure. Um, so, um... Ernie Klein is basically a new mental disorder, isn't it now? <laughs> Ernest Klein is welcome on the show. Ernest Klein, you are welcome on the show. Please come defend yourself. I actually really liked your episode of Red Vision. If you can. I'll say that positive. I actually like that thing. You did one thing I really like, and that does not give you any goodwill for so a nerd and auteur. That one actually made me seethe in anger. Oh my god. I'm sorry for just making this an Ernest Klein hatred thing. <laughs> That's all right. At least, at least it gave us um, a track to follow. This is this is the existential dread episode, so it's okay. Do you guys know Continue. what nerd porn auteur is? I, I hear somebody looking it up. <laughs> it is a slam poem that he did. That won awards, apparently. Oh. My. God. And it's basically him starting a porn company for nerdy chicks. That actually makes me angry. I'm I'm ruining your search history, Crystal. <laughs> Damn it. And it makes it, makes it wow. even worse when you know that he's hey, spoken. Oh my god, he spoke this in person. Yes. He actually had the guts to go on stage in person. Without a mask. I, I almost think we should close out the show with that. No. <laughs> without a mask. Without any voice editing tricks. Just as himself and read this to a crowd. A true act of bravery. <sighs> and, and it goes on. There's a fine line between bravery and stupidity. It goes on. And it is long. And it is so, so, so terrible. I, I, I actually cannot find it. You can't? I found it before, but I cannot it was find on, it. It was like on r slash nice guys. <laughs> he actually found it on r slash nice guys. Guys, um, I, I want to read some of the reviews on the back cover for Ready Player One. I want to hear some of them. All right, sure. Okay, um, Terry Brooks um, says, 
Fascinating and imaginative, gamers must navigate clever puzzles and outwit determined enemies in a virtual world in order to save a real one. Readers are in for a wild ride. Um, I think back to... Here's one from John Scalzi. John Scalzi. From uh, John a Nerdgasm. Imagine that Dungeons and Dragons in an 80s video arcade made hot sweet love and the child was raised in Azeroth. Oh my god. God. Wow. Just just wow. <laughs> From book list. An exuberantly realized, exciting, and sweet-natured cyberquest. Klein's imaginative and rollicking coming-of-age geek saga has a smash hit vibe. I wonder oh how many God. of these are just Klein, um... <laughs> like, Klein himself under various pseudonames. I, I actually really... Probably. know. Tom and he's a really good author so yeah I don't know <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure there was probably blackmail involved or something <laughs> I should say allegedly so I don't get in trouble allegedly <laughs> it reminds me of a video I saw from Quentin Reviews talking about the book which started scaring me about reading it you know how he was talking about people kept calling it the grown ups Harry Potter and he did a whole video like you know is it better than harry potter it's better than harry potter and worse than terry pratchett i just i can't get that out of my head that people look at this and think yeah this is this is imaginative this is literature this non-gamer loved every page of ready player one by charlene harris the author of the true blood books she wrote the books that true blood was based on Mm. I gotta say, if if Ready Player One is the most imaginative, is actually imaginative, then this person must think the Lion King remake was just friggin' brilliant. <laughs> they probably they probably think Family Guy, all the um, cutscenes in Family Guy are 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 brilliant and masterful in every way. They're just blown away by it. Yeah, I, I was gonna say like, if the way the way uh, Klein writes his di- his um his dialogue, it sounds like he wrote it while listening to Family Guy in his sleep. You think that's bad? Remember the time? I- you know, Josh, I will never ask you again to read Ernest Klein. This will be the only time. Please read to them. Oh no! Please, I I, I need nah. story time with Josh. <laughs> Wait, are you talking about the? Okay, it's a bedtime. It's a bedtime story. We need this. Okay. Please, yeah, that's the rest of us. Nice guy voice. Children gather around. The, the rest of us. Hot cocoa. Get under. Yeah, and our feety pajamas. <laughs> This is this is nerd porn auteur. I want it on record oh, that Crystal wants me to read this to you guys. Oh god, I I, I just read it. <laughs> I need others to suffer with. And me. I'm gonna read it in my best little kind of voice. <laughs> nice guy voice. <clears throat> Eat your heart out, Kevin Conroy. <clears throat> okay, here we go. <laughs> nerd porn. No. I've noticed that there don't there don't seem to be any porno movies that are made for guys like me. 
all the porn I've come across was targeted at beer swilling sports bar dwelling alpha males men who like their women stupid and submissive men who can only get it up for monosyllabic cock hungry nymphos with gargantuan breasts and a three word vocabulary adult films are populated with these collagen injected liposuctioned women and many of whom have resorted to surgery and self mutilation in an attempt to look the way they have been told to look these aren't real women, they're objects. Oh! And these movies oh! aren't erotic, they're pathetic. These vacuum-headed fuck bunnies won't turn me on, they disgust me. And it's not that I'm against pornography, I mean, I'm a guy, and guys need porn. Fact. Quote, Fact. like a preacher needs, needs pain, like a needle needs a vein. End quote. Guys need porn. But I don't want to watch this misogynistic he-man, woman-hater porn. I want porno movies that are made with guys like me in mind. Guys who know that the sexiest thing in the world is a woman who is smarter than you are. You can have the whole cheerleading squad. I want the girl in the tweed skirt and the horned-rimmed glasses. Betty Finadowski, the valedictorian. Oh, yes. First... I want to copy her trig homework. Then I want to make mad, mad, passionate love to her for hours and hours until she reluctantly asks if we can stop. Because she she doesn't want to miss Battlestar Galactica. Don't bring PSG into this. Summa cum laude, baby. That's what I call erotic. But do you ever see that kind of a woman in a contemporary adult film? No. Which is why... I'm going to start writing and directing geek porno. I shall be the quintessential nerd porn auteur. And the women in my porno movies will be the kind that drives nerds like me mad with desire. I just want to take a break real quick. I realized I just went from sounding like Mr. Sulu to sounding like Clayface from from Harley Quinn. You totally no, did. it is honestly. Honestly, keep going. It is honestly terrifying how well you're remolding into this character. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm imagining this is one of Clayface's identities. He's trying to prepare himself. And this is from Ready Player One. No, this is a this is a poem that he that he spoke and won awards for apparently. Okay. Okay. I'm almost done. I was so much happier before I knew any of this <laughs> and it, it only gets worse i'm still not done but i'm almost done oh god here we go <clears throat> i'm talking about the girls that used to fuck up the grading curve the girls in the latin club and the national honor society chicks with weird clothes braces four eyes and 4.0 gpas Brainy, articulate bookworms with mensa cards in their purses and chips on their shoulders my porn starlets will come in all shapes and sizes. My porn starlets will be too busy working on their PhD to go to the gym. In my kind of porno movies, the girls wouldn't even have to get naked. they just take the guys down to the rec room and beat them repeatedly at chess and then talk to them for hours about Heisenberg's uncertainty principle or the underlying social metaphors in the Aliens movies. Buy stock in some hand cream companies because there is about to be a major shortage. 
And I'm not just talking about straight-born. Oh, no. There should be fuck films for my nerd brethren of all sexual orientations. Gay nerd porn flicks with titles like Dungeons and Drag Queens. This idea is a fucking gold mine. I am going to make millions because this country is full of database programmers and electronics engineers and they aren't getting the love they so desperately need. And you can help if you are, are an intelligent woman. If, you, if you're an intelligent woman that is interested in breaking into the adult film industry and you can tell me the name of Luke Skywalker's home planet, then you are hired. It doesn't matter if you think you're overweight or unattractive. It doesn't matter if you think you're beautiful. You're a star. And I will make you a star. I want A Star is Born remade using this basis. Oh, God. <laughs> okay, I am... I, I, I just want to say that for a while there, you turned into... Um, a reviewer that rhymes with Pug Locker and his oh impersonation my. of Christopher Lloyd. <laughs> Dude. Hayden, no. Bad Hayden. <laughs> in, in, in some spots, I kind of heard Patrick Stewart. Also a bit mm. of advice. <laughs> A.K.A. the guy never yeah. ages. Oh, well, I don't know about you guys, but go ahead. Okay, first of all, I need to go to church. <laughs> a thousand hail marys. A thousand hail marys. Yes. And, okay. And okay. That, that is all. Oh. Okay. Next. Uh, okay. So, what you were saying? So, number one. I love how he goes into this whole business pitch with the mindset that women don't. Well, no, he he he's making it for all people. No, he said sexualizations, and specifically gay, <laughs> like man on man. But you gotta understand, Earth is actually progressive. Everybody can cringe at this. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Pull it up. Pull it up again. I am not pulling that up Please, again. Please, I need I need to 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 have this on standby Seriously. so I can every single oh, no. Just drop it in the group chat if you if you have to. <laughs> <laughs> Just get in a room. Sure, <laughs> <laughs> you guys heard me lose my mind at the line. These aren't real women. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Fuck you. I, I, yeah. Fuck you. Okay. Yes. Who are you to exactly. say that these women didn't make their own damn decisions about their own damn bodies? I'm sure there are some women in this industry who are peer pressured into, uh, into getting those alterations. But it's their own bodies. Who cares? See, hearing their objects is like, oh. Oh my god. And then how all of them have to be ditzy and stupid. What? 
you for assuming they're in, in their own minds. You know, I'm, while I'm doing my thing, I'm not thinking, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, baby, talk about, uh, about uh, the Pythagorean theorem or some bullshit like that. Oh, baby, brag to me about your, your GPA. Fuck you. See, I love... Tell me about Heisenberg's uncertainty <laughs> principle. See, I I love also the low bar. If you could tell me the name of Luke Skywalker's home yes. planet, you're oh, hired. Oh my god. Oh, oh, this makes me so angry. Oh my god. That honestly pissed me off. Oh yeah. <laughs> my my uh, n- girls can't be that nerdy. So the most that they can know is 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 <laughs> the, you know the obscure science fiction movie Star Wars. Oh yes. <laughs> Little independent film. You may not have heard of it. Thanks, I hate it. Yeah, it's very art house. <laughs> I I mean Look at that description, though. Look at that, like, I want the girl in the tweed skirt and the horn-rimmed glasses, and then he names somebody? I wonder if that's a real person. I don't know. Uh, this person needs to get a restraining order. I want the valedictorian, like she even wants you, dude. Yeah, dude. You're aiming pretty high. My my favorite line, though, is, first, I want to copy her trig homework. Like, fuck. You! First off, why would I even give it to you, I'm also, asshole? I'm also confused about the the, 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 the narrator's age in this poem. <laughs> yeah, like, who who is he? Is he a high schooler? Is he in college? Um, is he in his late 20s? Like, there's no context clues at all. Well, he's doing is he Patrick Stewart? Pitch. So I'm assuming late 20s, early 30s. And he's talking about banging the high school valedictorian. Good night, everybody. Shut it down. (laughs) Shut it down. I'm sorry. I know you had your hand raised, but this is... No mas. (laughs) Are, are you okay, Jacob? This, it, this is maybe the episode that gets us kicked <laughs> off of iTunes. Yeah, this, this podcast was a mistake. Podbean's gonna be like, this violates every single bit of our terms of conditions. Yeah. We lost, oh, um, no. we... Oh, yeah. Um, we lost um, this chance as soon as um, Crystal talked about our non-squeaky boobs. <laughs> you know, I, I, I will say, okay. fundamentally, as a woman, I am incredibly insulted. <laughs> you know, just... You should be insulted as a human being. Actually, a little bit serious. You should be insulted as a human being. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. This is a human Screw being, being insulted as a woman. <laughs> but no, you should be insulted as a life bar. 
to actually get on, on a bit of, a little bit of a serious note. You know, for a long time, I rejected, you know, things like makeup and, you know, girly clothes, purses, you know, nail polish. I didn't do any of that stuff. I went total tomboy because I felt like I wasn't pretty enough to try to be prettier. So I just gave up and accepted this whole, I'm smart, so that's my, that's my, that's what's endearing about me. And it wasn't until, like, like, my senior year that I, that I accepted that I'm a woman and I can, you know, put on makeup and not feel self-conscious about it. And, you know, I can, you know, want to show off my, my curves and not have to be ashamed of it. And then there's people like Ernest Klein, who just shit all over that. Say that a woman is either this or this. There's no one in between. You can be a ditzy broad with fake tits and, you know, a 2.5 GPA. Or you can be a ugly bitch who, <laughs> who wears glasses and is smart and nerdy sometimes. Like, there's no one in between. And just that alone can be, can be demoralizing for any girl. Especially, like, modern girls. Yeah. Because I know I wasn't alone. Yeah, I completely agree. Damn. There's a lot of misogyny in that. And it's so funny. What we need to do <laughs> is... um. It's it's so funny because there's like massage just yeah. everywhere in that. His yes. his whole selling yeah. point is that oh I'm not a misogynist I'm a nice guy look at me mm-hmm. look ladies exactly. But in doing so, he's mm. the most misogynistic asshole in the world. He has black friends. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> he loves the help. Oh my god. He loved Green Book. He he. Well, that's uh, one way to come full he, circle. He's the, he, he's, yeah. he's the, he's the dad from, from Get Out. I would have voted for Obama for a third term if I could. Oh my how about Tiger Woods, huh? <laughs> my man? From what I hear, that, that poem was award-winning. <laughs> the oh, Razzies, let's hope. <laughs> yeah. Um, Seriously. What we need to do... Okay, Crystal, just for you, is we need to send... Okay. Tell Ernie Klein, hey, you know, this Crystal, she's a big fan of yours. You know, you should, and he'll go all the way um, to to Texas and where you can kick him straight in the balls. Okay? <laughs> we could. Oh, my God. You, you, you see, the, the interesting thing that I've seen, apparently, I've still been looking for the proof of this, is that apparently Ernest Klein looks back at all this stuff that we've just been roasting him on. And he cringes at it. He hates it. And he's apparently rewriting Ready Player One, from what I hear, and trying to re-release it, re-edit it. And, you know, he wants to move forward and kind of, you know, really reevaluate himself as a writer. And if that is true, I admire him for having the maturity to look at all this and recoil. Release the Klein cut. 
Oh my god. Come on, Snyder fans. Let's get it going. <laughs> Did they get that from uh from ErnestKlein.com? Has a website. Is that a press release that he released? Guys I don't know. I don't even okay. know. Guys, I'm gonna ask a I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask a real question here. Um what does Spielberg see in this guy? There there was potential in Ready Player One, and I I think my video does a good job of showing that. God damn it. Spielberg did miracles having the challenges revolve around James Halliday's life and not having it revolve around reenacting war games, Monty Python and the Holy Grail by memory, and then also playing a demon monster in a game of Joust, as in the arcade game. I guess when it comes to adapting books, uh, Spielberg knows how to how to mine for the right material. He, yeah. He is he is a miracle worker. Like, he is I, I can just imagine myself as Spielberg and just thinking to my <laughs> like saying out loud that there's there's charm in the folly of a child. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. I could, Spielberg, he's a director who can make Everyone poops into an Oscar-winning masterpiece. Could he have saved the Emoji Movie? <laughs> Perhaps. Thank you for someone getting my joke. <laughs> I, I, I got it. I, I got no, it. I know, I know, I know, Jacob. I know. It's okay. okay. <laughs> of course, I got it. I said it when we first started talking about it. Yeah, no, it's true. No, yeah. Oh my god, I just looked at the time. What time is it? Oh my god. But I'm I'm surprised that we were able to go for this long. Yeah. And we had just so much substance throughout <laughs> these two hours. This was the most substantial. This is even deeper than the mental health one we did. <laughs> oh my god. Comes a time you gotta let loose. Yeah. Anyway, all right. I think I think we're gonna call it at this point because any further, and I don't know, the rabbit hole might go too deep. Mm-hmm. It's getting but, late uh, over here. Yeah, we we gotta climb out of this hole eventually. Yeah. This was good. Please. This was good though. This was good. But okay, guys. So on a serious note, is there anything that you would like to? Oh, oh, Jacob, did you want to say something else? Oh, no, I'm sorry. Hold on. I There. Okay, I'm good. Okay. So um, let's talk about what we would recommend to people. Um, and I don't think it's going to be anything by Ernest Klein <laughs> at this point. No. no, God, no. Yeah. Uh... So recommendations, guys? Oh, um, well, as mentioned earlier, uh, Just Mercy and Selma... And whole other um, movies related to civil rights that you can watch for free on video on demand. And I, I will bring up recommendations. Um, a lot of them I'm saving for the Streaming Wars episode, that which we'll, we'll be recording next week. Mike? Um, so I already talked before about blind spotting. That's, that's my movie recommendation. 
um, over my Facebook page, um, I've, I've kind of broken down two other recommendations, um, for television, check out the static shock episode, sons of the father in which, um, in which the characters address, address race, racism, you know, with, uh, Richie's, Richie's dad when, when, uh, he and static have a sleepover. Um, and then for my music recommendation, um, a band that I'm, that I'm encouraging everyone to listen to is fire from the gods. And I would, I would check out their latest album, American sun. All right. Um, Hayden, do you have any recommendations? Um, in terms of everything going on right now, I would recommend watching, um, 13th, um, which is a documentary, um, directed by, um, by Ava DuVernay, who did Selma. It's a very, Mm -hmm. very important documentary, very good. And also um, with her involvement was um, When They See Us, also on Netflix, um, which is about the Central Park Five. Um, Very, very difficult to watch, but it's, it's very, very sobering. And it's a great series, great miniseries on Netflix also. Excellent. Okay, Josh and Crystal. Uh, Crystal, you got anything? Mm, sword in the Stone. <laughs> that was cute. Nice. <laughs> uh, yeah, Sword in the Stone, and then Josh and I have just been listening to uh, movie soundtracks, like music-wise, and I've just been loving uh, the Dark Crystal soundtrack by Trevor Jones. Beautiful. Nice. Please give it a listen. And on my end, um, I don't know. I think you could do far worse than you know just going on Netflix and watching Avatar for the fiftieth time, or um, just giving Community a good college try. Pun intended. <laughs> I, I'm like I said. I've just been doing a lot of comfort food watching, and on the on the. On the flip side of Tug Docker, um, there is actually a YouTube channel that I saw that did a complete breakdown of his god-awful The Wall video. And um, I'm trying to find the guy. I think I liked the, the channel. Uh, Matt Amar. It is... He, he only has less than a 1,000 subscribers, but he somehow manages to blow away Doug out of the water with production value. And it is embarrassing, but he is a he, his video was amazing and I recommend people subscribe to him just for that. Cool. All right, I'm going to go ahead and second everybody's recommendations and also add a little bit to my own. Um uh, I saw Remember the Titans kind of revisited that and Friday Night Lights, so I saw like two football movies back to back, which was cool. Um, Remember the Titans, of course, is a more family friendly movie, and of course, it's you know maybe a little bit sappy for the modern day viewer, but I think that overall, I really enjoyed that movie. Um, it takes me back to a, a simpler time, I suppose, and that's probably why, um, in terms of when I watched it. Um, 
Yeah, because I just graduated high school. Interesting. Anyway, um, Friday Night Lights was, of course, one of my favorite movies. I, I'm not too big on the series for some reason, but the movie hit the right notes for me. So I always did like the movie. Um, apart from that, on Apple TV Plus, there's a show called The Morning Show, which I just saw the first episode of, and I really liked it. So that's one that I would recommend for anybody who's willing to to give it a shot. Um and apart from that, everybody just go play Final Fantasy VII Remake when you have the time. <laughs> yes. Because yeah, I'm always gonna I'm always gonna shill for that one. Because that's a good game. Anyway. Alright guys, so this has been the fourth episode of Free For All, I believe. Fourth episode? Something like that. Yeah. And our I, I think either seventeenth or eighteenth episode overall, so keep on trucking. And uh, thank you to my co-hosts. Thank you to our listeners for putting up with us in this particular episode, which was actually a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> and, you know, apart from the, the bad writings of, of Mr. Klein. But, you know, hopefully the world becomes a better place and hopefully we all learn. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's all I'll say. Um, you know, we hope you guys enjoyed it. Stay tuned for the DCEU special. Not sure if that's going to be a part one or if it's going to be just the whole DCEU. Um, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Uh, that should be coming up this week. And we also have Streaming Wars, and then we also have Tuned Up coming up. Uh, so that's... Stay tuned, everybody. And uh, all right, guys, where can we, where can we find you online? Uh, Mike, let's start with you. You guys can find me on Twitter and Instagram at CaptainK42. You can check out my quick thoughts on letterbox.com slash CoachK42. And look for me on all the various Facebook groups just at my name, Mike K. Awesome. All right, Jacob? Uh, you can find me on Joe Crable on Facebook. And also on the Renegade Pop Culture Facebook group. Nice. Okay. Hayden? I can I can be found on Instagram at Hayden Wilder and on Twitter at the Hayden Wilder. Nice. All right, and then Josh Crystal. Go ahead, Crystal. Uh, well, you can find me on Twitter under the handle at simply underscore ragu eight sixteen, and you can also find me on the Renegade Pop Culture. Facebook group under my name, Crystal Gillum. And for me, you can find me at Twitter at JSH Lozano. That's where I'm active the most. And I'm doing a thing on my Twitter where I post episodes of a series that I've written. Catch up with me. It's a nice binge read in these trying times since I can't do a show or another movie. And you can find me on YouTube at JoshBoy64. Tune in for my Ready Player One video. And after that, I've got a big collaboration I have coming up with Gwendolyn J. Stone, my YouTube sister, um, Matt Draper, a brilliant comics uh, uh, YouTuber, and Diego Rivera, who's really underrated. And he do he usually does like video game uh, uh, videos, but we're all coming together to do something pretty special relating to the the trying times that we're in right now and you can find me in the renegade pop culture facebook group 
All right, awesome. So uh, you can find me at Keona Tang, that's K-E-O-N-A-T-A-N-G, on Twitter. Um, also, you can find our Renegade Pop Culture Twitter page, which is at Ren Pop Culture. Um, so definitely check that out. Um, we also have an official Facebook page. We have the Facebook group. And we have RenegadePopCulture.com. So please check it out, read the articles, um, you know, definitely share it around if you can. And uh, yeah, thank you to all of our listeners. Thank you guys for, for you know, just sticking with us. And um, everything's going well on the website front. So happy to say that. All right. So remember, guys, amplify the unheard voices in your communities and in the world because we need to. And embrace change and be kind to one another and stay safe. And Black Lives Matter. Thank you, guys. Peace out. Bye. Bye.